Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is the Court Today replay on C103. There's been lots of talk, uh, in certainly on social media, about this storm, Kira, that's meant to hit us at the weekend. And the UK forecasters, they've been out since early on in the week warning that this storm is coming in from the North Atlantic. So we've been waiting to see what Met Aaron was saying because we were told that Met Aaron were track, is tracking the storm's progress and may issue its own warnings. They haven't as of yet issued a warning but I've gone out to their website and under Storm Kira they say unsettled weather is expected to develop across Ireland and the Northwest Europe this weekend. The change will occur as very cold air sweeps out of Canada into the North Atlantic, creating a sharp temperature contrast in the atmosphere over the ocean. This temperature contrast will result in the intensification of the jet stream over the North Atlantic, which will drive vigorous areas of low pressure towards Ireland. <laughs> and, and they'll update us <laughs> uh, whenever there's something else to update us on. So what does all that mean? Well, if you look to the UK Met Office, what they're saying is that the storm Kira, which is brewing out in the North uh, Atlantic and that it is expected to bring very severe wind and rain and gusts to, to Ireland and the greater United Kingdom because the UK forecasters are saying a severe weather warning for the entire United Kingdom. So I don't suppose that Storm Kira can come and attack the United Kingdom with these severe gusts and just leave Ireland out of it. So I'm assuming we're going to get gusts of up to 130 kilometres per hour. And in the UK, the warning comes into force from six o'clock on Saturday until midnight on Sunday. Now we just have to wait to see. Are Met Aaron going to follow suit? Are they are they going to issue wind warnings? If it's at six o'clock on Saturday, then it means the majority of the voting will have taken place. But if it hits us earlier, which you probably expected it will, it could mean that it is going to affect, it could affect people going out to the polls. So my suggestion would be to, I was about to say vote early, vote often, leave out the vote often bit. But if you are, we are hoping everyone turns out to vote, I would be suggesting that we all get out early to vote because it looks like we could be battening down the hatches for most of Saturday into into Saturday night as well. So we'll keep an eye on that. But nothing official yet from no official warnings coming from Met Aaron, but they are saying that they are tracking and keeping an eye on Storm uh, Kira. We're keeping an eye on the election today and we are continuing with our previews of the five Cork 
constituencies. And today we are going to look at Cork Southwest. And this is another very big constituency because it covers the entire West Cork area and it comes right into including uh, even just the very fringes of the suburbs of the city. So it's a big, big sprawling constituency. It's a three seater. We are definitely going to have a new TD. This is the, one of the constituencies we can guarantee there will be a new face heading to Dáil Éireann at the end of the month because because of course, the outgoing Fine Gael TD, Jim Daly, Junior Minister of the Department of Health. We spoke, he spoke with us on the programme last year when he made the decision that no, he was stepping out of politics uh, and he's doing it for family reasons. I think doing it for very honourable reasons. He just realised, I think particularly when he took over that position as Junior Minister, the workload of a politician is huge even just as a normal TD, but you add to that any layer of portfolio when it comes to junior minister or minister and it just goes through the roof and he realised he was, you know, his children were growing up and he was completely missing them growing up. So he decided to do something about it. What was he going to do? He was going to bow out of politics. So his name is not on the ballot paper. So it means we're going to have one new TD for West Cork. But we'll go through the runners and riders and we'll take a look at the various issues that are affecting people in West Cork. When Fiona Corcoran joins us, and that'll be in the second hour of the programme today. But let me just stay on elections because I've had an email into Patricia at c103.ie from Margaret that says, Patricia, on Monday night, my doorbell rang. And lo and behold, there was an election candidate standing there. I asked him why he was canvassing after dark. As it was only 7pm, he thought it was OK. Even though it's 7, 7 o'clock, is still pitch dark. He said his father used to canvass until 10pm. Yeah, but people canvass until 10pm, I think in summer months. They don't really canvass that late in the winter months. Anyway, back to the email. Anyway, I told him I wouldn't be voting for him and he knew the reasons why as I've discussed them before with him. The reason for the email is this. I received a lovely not recyclable calendar through my letterbox along with a two-page information leaflets about my entitlements from this candidate a few weeks ago. I told him I did not need his two leaflets that he was handing me on Monday. Lo and behold, I got a letter addressed to me this morning. Inside the inside was a letter. And yes, Patricia, the lovely shiny leaflet that I had refused from the same candidate on my doorstep on Monday. Now I've kept them all and next week I'm planning on returning them to this candidate. Enough rubbish, please. There's enough litter, for goodness sake. And no, they're not informative. They're a waste of money. <laughs> As I say, I'm continuing to stockpile and keep the literature that's just coming into my house. I just want to do my own little little survey to see how much actual, and it will all go for recycling, I'll, I'll guarantee you that. And I'm assuming all of them are recyclable. But anyway, um, so I'm just seeing just on one household how much I generate I don't know if anybody else is doing the same thing. And obviously I'm I'm in the Cork East constituency, so I'll let you know how many pieces have come through my letterbox, both sent by the post, like I delivered by the postman, which obviously has our, our address on it and it's just addressed to, to the household. And then what's been individually put through the letterbox by people out uh, canvassing. Still haven't had anybody ring on my doorbell to say, press the flesh, give me, give me your number one. And unless I do today and tomorrow, I'm not expecting anybody else to call. And I'm assuming a lot of people are not going out in the evening time, unlike this candidate that called to this door. And I'm assuming most of them are not going out in the evening time because, because of the dark evenings and they don't. You know, there are some people just won't answer the door after a certain time at night, particularly when it gets dark. And you've got people nervous in their homes. And if they, you know, unless they're expecting someone, they're not going to 
answer the door. I think politicians and their campaign teams are very aware of that. You will get the, I won't say rogue is probably the wrong word, but you will get some candidates who will decide, yeah, it's quite okay to canvas, even if it is a dark uh, evening and they'll still go out and do it but uh, if anybody else is holding on to their literature I'll be interested next week to find out just, just for you to count up how many pieces you actually got into your uh, household and we know now for sure that voting in the general election in Tipperary is now going to go ahead. This is a five-seater constituency of course it was deferred following the very sad death of the independent candidate Maurice uh, um, um, uh, Marie Skeen she died uh, this week I mean I didn't know the woman even though I'm a native of Tipperary but she was from North uh, Tip and anyone that knows Tipperary it used to be two constituencies South Riding and North Riding and then they combined it into one constituency and were poles apart in Tipperary it's, it's funny really people in South Tipperary don't really identify at all with people in North Tip and vice versa so this lady was from North of the constituency I think she's in the in around the Thurless area um, but she seemed to have been lovely lady, a lovely woman who very much involved in her community and you know so and and from what I can gather she would have been the type of woman who would have wanted the election to go ahead. I'm still very much thinking of her family and what they must be going through because her name is still going to appear on the ballot paper because obviously they're not going to print new ballot papers but I think she would have wanted it but anyway they they looked at the constitution to decide what they were going to do and under the law an election in a constituency has to be deferred if a candidate dies but the deferral would have delayed the first sitting of the Dáil in a fortnight's time and that's when the Attorney General uh, kicked in and he's provided the advice to the Department of Housing and Local Government allowing the vote to uh, proceed. So obviously all the candidates in Tipperary have been told because many of them stopped canvassing as a mark of respect for this lady as well which was the right and proper thing uh, to do but they've now been told the vote goes ahead. The electoral staff are preparing for it. The Count Centre in Thurless they had to rebook that I know there was a bit of an issue around that but they've managed to rebook it and they're gearing up and getting that all ready uh, for the uh, weekend and it is uh, this is a a constituency that always returns a lot of independence say three independence last time round with a Fianna Fáil and uh, a Labour party. That's how it was the last the, the last time, whether it'll be the same this time. Only time will tell but that goes ahead and I think that is a good decision because I think we would have been here next week talking about, we can't talk about the formation of a government particularly if the numbers are very tight and if you look at opinion polls I think the numbers will be uh, very tight and it would all hinge on those five seats in Tipperary which would have been crazy it would have been a crazy, crazy situation. So it is uh, going ahead. Now also on elections today we're going to be talking about polling cards in a couple of minutes I'm going to speak with uh, Stephen Teep the cervical check campaigner from uh, Cork whose wife died uh, almost three years ago now, Irene Teep, and she, her polling card arrived again. And he's just talking about just how upsetting the whole thing is. And I think speaking out on behalf of other people, because he's not on his own on this one. And I know yesterday when I mentioned it towards the end of the programme, we had a lot of calls in from people who had similar stories to tell. And people talking about, you know, it can be tough enough when you're dealing with the bereavement, particularly in those early years. And then for you know, to go out and pick up the post and to see the name of your loved one printed in front of you. It's just, it's, it's, it really is awful. And it just struck me as well for, for Stephen, you know, when he goes out to vote on Saturday, he'll know that Irene's name is, you know, above or below his name on the 
register for lectures and that, that must be difficult as well because she's not with him to go in and vote so I mean it's just it's we need to do something what we need to do I don't know so we're going to talk around that and talk around polling cards that come for deceased uh, people as they say Stevens is nearly three years I don't know if anybody can beat that in, and beat, you know, beat the record uh, but if anybody else knows of somebody who's dead longer than three years where a polling card still Arrived, And I know when Stephen put it up on his Twitter feed was where I saw it and lots of people were commenting. I mean, he got a massive reaction on it. But people were talking about the most bizarre things happening. Like there was one woman on saying that she gets two polling cards and she's received it numerous occasions, one in her maiden name and one in her married name. Now, she's never gone in and voted twice, but she's wondering, could she actually give it a try? And then people talking about transferring their vote and moving house. People do that all the time. And they end up with two polling cards. The card arrives to the old address and then a card arrives to, to the new address. And that makes no sense. I mean, if you're... Surely one cancels out the other. I can't understand how that happens. But I would be interested to see if anyone received a polling card for a loved one who's deceased longer than three years ago. And did people go to Lentz to try to have their name removed from the register of electors and their name is, is still on us. So they're the kind of issues we're, we're looking to hear from uh, today. And I'm going to speak with uh, Ralph Regal about the Tom and Molly Martins retrial. This news broke earlier in the week from the States. Tom and Molly, Molly Martins were convicted of the manslaughter of Jason Corbett. Lovely gorgeous man from Limerick, a businessman who had a tragedy in his life in that his gorgeous young wife passed away from an asthma attack when their second child was only 12 weeks old and that, and then he was left to raise these two little children on his own and he ended up getting a nanny. A nanny came from the States. They fell in love, got married and that, and then the nanny, his new wife, persuaded him to go back to the States and that's the woman who ended up being convicted of murdering him, Molly Martins, along with her husband, Tom. And he was murdered in a very, very brutal way. This wasn't just a simple case of one punch and he hit his head and he was dead or one bang to the head. I mean, he was just viciously beaten uh, to death. They looked for a retrial and I could not believe when I heard this week because the evidence that is stacked up against this pair is shocking and they've managed to get a retrial. Ralph Regal is a man who really knows about it. I mean, he was over there for about five weeks the trial went on for, but he was over there for the duration of the trial. But he's he wrote, a re- that we interviewed him about, he wrote a really good book that he co-wrote with, it's called My Brother Jason, he co-wrote it with Jason's sister. Fantastic book outlining Jason's life and then what happened with the uh, murder. So I'll speak with Ralph on the programme uh, today. Coronavirus. Everyone's very nervous about coronavirus and we're all just hoping oh, we'll keep away from our shores. It's over in China. It's very far away from us. But of course we know with the way these viruses travel it can end up on our doorstep in the blink of an eye. Two suspected cases going on locally. There's one in Kerry and there's one in Cork so we're going to talk about that. And it's Thursday so a member from Garda Corner uh, will join us for this week's Crime Fund. A number of people have been on saying Patricia I expect you've heard the news that the Hollywood legend Kurt Douglas had died at uh, the great age of 103. I did, I mentioned it, I was talking with Simon when I was teeing up the programme uh, before 10 this morning. So really, really sad to, and what a great man, what a fantastic actor. He's Actually, his acting days spanned over seven decades. Like he kept acting into, uh, you know, ripe old age. But I suppose the one that people will best remember Kirk Douglas for was an it was a 1960s film it was Spartacus he was just 
absolutely amazing uh, in that. And during his, the, I mean, he's probably the last of the Hollywood's golden age. He earned his first not. Oscar nomination, would you believe, in 1949. And of course, he is the father of Oscar winning actor Michael Douglas. And it was his son, Michael Douglas, who made the statement saying it is tremendous sadness that my brothers and I announced that Kurt Douglas left us today to the world. He was a legend, an actor uh, from the golden age of movies. But to me and my brothers, Joel and Peter, he was simply dad. Uh, it's so so sad and he said let me end with the words I told him on his last birthday and which will always remain true Dad I love you so much and I'm so proud to be your son it's just really sad the the late um, Kirk Douglas and actually there's pictures now obviously Facebook and social media have gone you know wild with, with photographs of him. and when you look back at him particularly in 1960 in Spartacus which is what 40, 50, 60 years ago. So I suppose he would have been at the height of his career. Yeah, such a good looking man. May he rest in peace, the late Kurt Douglas. OK, going to take uh, a break. John Paul takes your calls, 1850-333-103. And you can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln-dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie We were talking yesterday on the programme about how upsetting it was for family members when a loved one has passed away and a polling car to vote in the general election arrives to the House in the deceased person's name. Well, Stephen Teep is a vital Czech campaigner who lost his wife, Irene, almost three years ago, finds himself in just that position. And uh, Stephen joins me. Good morning to you, Stephen. Hi, Patricia. Good morning. Um, you're welcome to the programme. OK, how, try as best you can to explain. How did you feel when, when this polling card with Irene's name arrived through your letterbox? Well, this week now with the election looming, like it's, um, yeah, so all polling cards are going out to every house and in through the letterbox. This week was my one, but also Irene's. Um, like, this isn't the first time it's happened now at this stage. Like, Irene passed away over two and a half years ago. I've had polling cards in for the Eight Amendment referendum, the local elections, the presidential election, and now this. So this is the fourth time, and really I can remember the first time it being... Um, extremely upsetting, all right, to, to see that come through the letterbox. At this stage now, when it came through this week, it was more anger at the stupidity of still receiving this um, when it came through the letterbox this week. Um, and I think I had a bit of a, a knee-jerk reaction, and I took a photo of it and threw it up on Twitter with just a one-line saying, amazing, after almost three years that I'm still getting this. And what surprised me more than anything else was the actual reaction I got to it from many, many people in the similar situation and like your listeners um, and you, your show yesterday, um, same thing. It just seems to be all around the country. It seems to be people who have deceased still receiving polling cards. And as uh, yesterday I was on a radio show up in Donegal, same similar thing. Um, everywhere yeah. around the country. I yeah, it isn't. It. it isn't just a, a cork problem. And a polling card no. arriving a few weeks. I, I'd even allow for a couple of months after a person uh, dies. As upsetting as it is, that in itself is it would be understandable. Give them give them I, a few weeks or a few months, but that's it. Absolutely, like like it's February. Christmas was two months ago, and you 
you've got many, many families, you know, spending their first Christmas without a loved one um, who've just passed away in the last 12 months. And now here they are receiving polling cards um, this week for them also is obviously extremely upsetting. But what I suppose what kind of frustrates me the most is how there isn't some joined up thinking when, you know, like if someone is born, you go into the birth you register a birth certificate and you go back to the same place to register a debt and I just can't understand how the system isn't linked up to actually uh, cater for that and actually, you know, you know, take them off. You only realised and found out this week that when someone responded to me that you actually have to apply separately to the electoral register to have someone's name removed. Um, applying for a debt certificate with the state isn't enough. You need to be doing more and it just seems to be a kind of an insensitive system but a kind of an incompetent one at the same time that you know it, it, that there isn't some joint of thinking the left hand doesn't seem to know what the right hand is doing um, yeah, because yeah, when I knew you were coming on today, I was I was trying to find out yesterday. You know how was it done? Seemingly, there's a form called an RFA one. Yeah, that yeah. somebody needs to fill in, and then you need to return it to the local authority. Absolutely, yeah, that's that's something that I don't, I don't even know where I, you get one. I'm sure you get it online. But if anyone is like me and they've lost someone, you know, going through this process is the last thing in someone's to-do list that they want to do, yeah. to be honest with you. It's not even worth the putting ink on the paper. It's so far down the to-do list, you know, where people have enough to be dealing with and losing someone to actually have to go through this. Well, um, there's so many other things you have to do in, um, in registering someone's death and um, even just trying to get on with your life um, and then just having to deal with this kind of nonsense at the same time. And I was, I was actually looking into it even further and when you actually look at the amount of duplications of... Um, like there's people who have moved home and um, moved from one address to the other and they're receiving polling card at their old address and their new address. So I remember 15 years ago when I moved out of the family home and bought my first house. For a number of years after, I was receiving a polling card to my parents' address and also one at my new address. Um, and it just seems to be something that just seems to be quite an incompetent um, process, really. In and that would, be to two, that would be to two different polling stations? That's the thing. So, like, I grew up in Rochester and I moved to Carrigaline, so I was receiving one for a polling station in my name in Rochester, and I was receiving another one then in Carrigaline, so I essentially had two votes. Um, if, you, if you wanted to have yeah, well, had one, but yeah, if you want, yeah. if you want, if vote early, vote often. Vote early, vote often. Someone else uh, is saying, could you? Yeah. Well, just, you know, like, um, someone actually, back in 2016, actually had researched this, and there, were, there was an article in the Irish Times, and they reckoned that the electoral register has approximately around 500,000 people more than it should actually have because of all of these duplications, which seems, you know, extremely surprising. It's more than the population of Cork. So on Monday after this election, we'll be listening to, you know, obviously, you know, the results of the day. But yeah. what we often hear about is the turnout on the day was at a certain percentage. You know the way they yeah, say yeah, 60% yeah. turnout. Well, that figure is going to be more than false, given that, you know, we have all of these duplications. They actually say that the turnout in the day is actually much more than they actually say it is, because because if you take out of these duplications, that you know, actually more people in Ireland vote than it's actually being counted for because of this. So I think the whole system needs a massive tidy up, obviously. Yeah, just, and someone is saying, could it not be linked to your PPS number? Could they not in some way? And everything is computerized now, and everything is online. Yeah, you would, you would think it could. It, it, there's got to be a simpler system out there. Has to be a simpler system, and I think the PPS number seems the most logical. I actually, my youngest guy Noah is starting school in September, 
yeah. in primary school and I just filled out one of those forms recently, you know, name, address, parents' name, address, all of that. And one of the items they looked for was PPS number. Like, I never applied for a PPS number for my boys. It was actually automatically yeah. generated when I registered their birth. Yeah. So when I got their birth certificate, that was automatically registered. So I don't understand why when you do the opposite and register a debt, that it can't just filter out through the whole system. It doesn't make sense. 2020 in this day and age with computers and everything else. Yeah. And and, and then I also was thinking, Stephen, and I mentioned this at the top of the programme, for you personally, you know, when you go into vote on Saturday, you know that Irene's name is on that list. And when when you hand in your polling card and they they scratch your name off the list. That must be, that must be upsetting. It is, you know, and you know, like, yeah, and, and it's just, it's just completely unnecessary. Yeah, it's, yeah, it does, it does, it does weigh in your heart a bit. That all right, that that her name is still down there, and of course, yeah, the, the realization that she's not there to vote either. Yeah. But, shocking, um, yeah, you don't, you don't need it. it. Okay, you don't, you don't need it. Neither does anybody else that's in the situation. No. Okay. So, so Noah has Noah started school. No, this no. September after oh, summer, he's still in Montessori, so okay. he's got a uh, bursting with excitement. So is he? He's is he? Five in April, so he'll be heading off now to big school in September. And o- Oscar's, <laughs> Oscar's in what class? First class. Now. All right, okay, big boy, big boy, he's a big boy now. So I'm looking forward to having the one drop off and one collection, Patricia. Yeah, that makes a big difference. <laughs> big difference. <laughs> no, and by the way, because we didn't get to speech, congratulations on your Cork Person of the Year uh, award. Uh, oh, I mean, and, and I know you're always very humble when you pick up those awards, but does that keep you motivated to keep going? Honestly, it does. Like it's like you obviously don't do what you do for any achievement or recognition. Like that's the last thing you want. But I guess when, you know, when you're kind of out there campaigning and there's days there you'd be banging your head off the wall wondering, God, are we getting anywhere? Is anyone listening? When you receive an acknowledgement or recognition like that, it really goes to kind of show that, you know, like people are actually listening and it's great. And it does, um, it does certainly give you um, motivation, you know. It's like when you're walking down the street and a random stranger stops you just to say thank you and keep going. It does give you that burst of energy. So it's great for that. And it's great for all of the families and the women as well to get that recognition as well, you know, because everything I say is for everybody else as well. So oh, well done. You're incredible. You're incredible. Keep, keep, keep it going. Listen, thanks pleasure so as always, Stephen. Thank you for that. Thanks, and uh, thanks uh, for joining us. That is uh, Stephen T. But a lovely man. Um, it's a vital Czech uh, campaigner. And c- could somebody please, in, I'm assuming he's in the city, um, city council, could you take um, Irene's name off the register of electors? The man is enough to be dealing with. Okay, talking about crazy things happening after or somebody dies and something arriving in the post. Margaret's in Donnerwell. Uh, good morning to you, Margaret. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I, I'm, I'm very well. I'm reading what's coming up on the screen in front of me. I your, know. your dad got called for jury service. Yes, two years after he died. Yeah. Um, his, uh, his house it was even had been, had been sold at that particular time. So the postman brought the, the letter to me, you know, and you kind of think... Because I'd got letters, like, from the property tax before that, and I'd be just thinking, like, would they ever just all join up and say, you know, well, we have registered um, my dad's death. Um, but what was what was more annoying about it was that about, about 10 years before that, he got a call to jury service, and he was kind of very worried about it, you know? Yeah. And um, he had said it to me, and I said, look, you just tell them. I mean, his hearing wasn't great. He was in his, I think he, he would, like, he would have been in his 80s at that stage and just, like, age exemption as well. Like, he would have got it on that. So he did. He was, and he was quite happy to do that. Like, I mean, he wouldn't have been able to hear properly what was going on and all that. And um, so he was exempted 10 years before he got this other letter. Um, and uh, it was um, a call to jury service at 91. Oh, for God's sake. 
And like I rang and I just said, you know, I said, I got this letter this morning and said, I was very upset about it. And, um, you know, she's, uh, well, I'll just pass you on over to someone in the courthouse. And, and um, I got out to this girl and she said, um, you know, you said you have to, you, you, there is a, I think there's a fine or something for not attending jury there services. There is, yeah, yeah. Unless he has a good excuse. So I was like, and I was really hopping at this stage, and I said, well, he has one excuse. I said he would have been 91. But I said the bigger excuse was that he's died two years ago. So, like, you know, and it was upsetting, and it, it, it's just so annoying. And I feel for Stephen because it is it is a jolt, you know, when you pick up something and you just see a name written on it. Yeah, it's a black um, and white in front of you. A black and white in front yeah. of you for something that you know she's never again going to do. I knew my dad was never again going to, but he wasn't going to go to jury service anyway. But like even his letters for property tax, there's none of it joined up. Nothing. And did the person in the courthouse, did she profusely apologise when she realised your dad was dead? No, no, he was kind of like, uh, oh, sorry about that, like we'll take his name off. His name should have been off when he was exempt 10 years before that. Yeah, because he wasn't going to get any younger. That's a good he point, actually. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I'll check. I'm open to correction, but I'm, I think jury service comes from the Register of Electors. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, we did all the things we were supposed to do. We did all the things. But I mean, if somebody got an exemption like 10 years before. Yeah, yeah. for on, on age ground, grounds. And yeah. I think, if I remember correctly, I think he had gone to the doctor to get a letter as well because he wanted to make sure that he wasn't not doing his duty, if you know what I mean. I know, um, I know. And he, like, he was wearing hearing aids, as I said, so he wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have been possible. So he was, he was glad that he was after doing that, like. And then, can you imagine, like, Two years later, after after he died, like two years later, this letter comes in uh, called the jury service. It's not fair. It's, it's just not, not fair. It's not, it's not right. All right. Like. Okay, Margaret, listen, thank you for that. Okay. And uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, a little bit of joined up thinking, I think, is what is needed between all of the different service providers in this country and all the different agencies uh, operated by the state. 1850-333-103. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln-dried wood and gas. Lowcostfuel.ie Every Friday, we're counting down to the weekend, the weekend. by turning up the Feel Good. C103's Feel Good Friday brings you six hours of Feel Good Greatest Hits. Join Nick Richards from 1 and Martina O'Donoghue from 4 as we get you weekend ready. Weekend ready. Turning up the feel good for Cork. For Cork. Every Friday from 1. Feel Good Friday, only on C103. Now this week, the heartbroken family of Limerick man Jason Corbett were told that his killers have been granted a full retrial in the US. Irish independent journalist knows the background to this story better than most because, of course, he co-wrote the book My Brother Jason, the untold story of Jason Corbett's life and brutal murder by Tom and Molly Martins and Ralph Regal joins me. Good morning to you, Ralph. Good morning. And, and you're very welcome. The news of this retrial did it come out of the blue to the Corbett family in Limerick or were they expecting it? No, I think it blindsided everyone. I mean, it was a devastating blow for them and um, they were they were completely shocked because I don't think anyone anticipated that the that they might have expected a dissenting opinion in terms of maybe one judge going with the the appellant's case but they were they were really shocked that the two of the three judges found for a retrial um, given the, the, I suppose the, the totality of the evidence 
But the difficulty with appeals is that they can sometimes focus on very, very narrow elements of a case. And in this particular case, what happened was that two of the three judges said that because certain materials, certain statements that Tom and Molly Marks wanted to introduce in evidence during the, the July 2017 case, because the trial judge, David Lee, didn't allow those statements, all of whom were contested, by the way, and that's the reason they weren't allowed in evidence, because they weren't permitted to be put to the jury, um, the two appeal judges felt that the ability of Tom and Molly Martins to mount a defence, an argument of self-defence, was compromised. And in particular, they're talking about the interviews that were held with the social workers with young Jack and Sarah, Jason's two children. That's right. And, and like what was controversial about those statements was the fact that Jack and Sarah made those statements in the days after um, their father's death on August the 2nd, 2015. Um, they made them to workers at a place called Dragonfly House, which is like a social services place in, in North Carolina. Um, but the difficulty was that the children had been in Molly Martin's custody. Molly Martin's was not kept in custody um, after she had been questioned by police. So she was, the children were with her for, I think it was about 48 to 72 hours before they made the statements to Dragonfly House. And immediately the children came back to Ireland. They made fresh statements which totally contradicted the statements that they had made in North Carolina as to the nature of the relationship between Jason and Molly. And that's the basis on which the judge said that he had two totally contrasting um, statements and he thought the fairest thing to do was not to allow them to be admitted into evidence. So uh, in a retrial then, would that now be used as evidence? That's the critical issue, yes, indeed. Um, if 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 it does go to a retrial, it's slightly complex in that while the Court of Appeal has ruled two to one um, for a retrial to vacate the two convictions and for a retrial to be staged, there was a dissenting opinion. Judge Allegra Collins quite strongly disagreed with her colleagues and she ruled that the original trial had been both fair and free from major procedural errors. So because it was a majority verdict, there are two options open to the, well actually three options open to the Attorney General Josh Stein in North Carolina. He can either accept the Court of Appeal opinion and it automatically goes for a retrial. He can ask the judges to review their opinions, which people tell me is very, very unlikely because the judges have taken almost 13 months to publish their opinions and it's very unlikely that they're going to change them if asked to do so. Uh, And the third option, which I'm told is the likely one to happen, is that the Attorney General can ask for a review of the Court of Appeal ruling to the Supreme Court in North Carolina. It's the highest state court and the Supreme Court then would decide did the Court of Appeal judges err in law or were the Court of Appeal judges correct and then the the Supreme Court would rubber stamp a retrial. And if a retrial, a full retrial does go ahead, does that mean that Molly and Tom Martins could be released on bail? It almost certainly means that they will, yes. Um, What would happen is once a retrial is sanctioned, it's on the basis that the two convictions are vacated. So because the the convictions are vacated, um, both Tom and Molly would have the right to apply to be released on bond, and I'm told that that's very likely to happen. But at the moment, because the, the, the Attorney General has 35 days to signal whether or not there's going to be a Supreme Court appeal. So until that is clarified, they'll remain in prison. And if there is a Supreme Court appeal, they will also remain in prison until the Supreme Court makes its, it makes its opinion final. And Jack and Sarah, of course, are now living in Limerick. And, and we saw young uh, Sarah at Christmas because she bought out that fantastic book. And she's, you know, they're growing up to be such gorgeous right. uh, yeah. children. They're incredible I'm, children. Yeah. I'm assuming 
they have they been told what's going on? And do they are they aware of what's happening stateside? They are, and what I can tell you is, I know the family were, were devastated. I mean, they were, I've spoken to members of the family, and they just literally they didn't have words for the shock um, over the the court of appeal ruling. And their number one concern was, how how do we tell the children this? How do we break the news of what's going to happen in, next? And that was the second part of the shock for them. In that, like Jason w- was was killed five years ago, so they've had five years of. Of, of preparing for court cases, marathon court cases, pre-trial hearings, appeals, uh, waiting for judgments. And their fear is that do they now face another five years of court cases, appeals, pre-trial hearings? And unfortunately, that looks very much like the case. If the Supreme Court does sanction a retrial, um, a retrial is not going to happen this year. Um, I've been told that the Supreme Court may not even get to hear the case this year. So if the Supreme Court hears the case in early 2021, you're looking at a retrial then probably in 2022. And this was a very difficult case particularly for the Corbett family first time round. I mean, they attended for the weeks and weeks uh, of the trial because the evidence in this case, Ralph, was you were in the courthouse, was shocking. Oh, it was shocking. I mean, it's certainly one of the most high-profile cases that I've ever covered. And again, just to remind some of your listeners, it's a very different situation in the States because in Ireland, jury selection usually takes about an hour. (laughs) I mean, sometimes it can take even less than that. Whereas jury selection in in this particular case took almost a week and a half, the bones of two weeks, to get a jury selected because it's literally a grueling process where each individual potential juror is queried about their opinions on the law, their history, you know, what's their view on various types of of issues. And it takes a long time to get the jury up and running. So in, in point of fact, the case in North Carolina, it took almost five weeks to conclude and the family were there for every single bit of it. And the forensic evidence and the medical evidence in particular was absolutely appalling. I mean, I'm, I'm conscious of the time and that there may be young years listening to the radio at this stage. I'll be careful what I say. But the level of violence that was used against Jason was truly shocking. And some of the things that he suffered, particularly in point to the fact that it was, it was stated during the trial that both Tom and Molly had delayed calling 999. They deliberately delayed ringing the emergency services just to ensure that when the paramedics arrived at the scene that, that Jason was already dead. There was no hope. There was no. And nope, I know nope. I was watching um, a documentary from the States, one of those 48 hours, it's kind of like their primetime kind of type programme, primetime investigators programme and there was a programme done on this particular case and they even couldn't show they, you know, they were able to. Sh- they were showing some of the evidence of the state that the bedroom was found in afterwards. Yes. But they even had to say, "We can't. Some of these are just so bad. We can't show them to you." Yeah. It was just, yeah. and for the family to have to sit through knowing that their, you know, beloved brother had died in this way, just dreadful. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's absolutely. I mean, you know, when you love someone, you grow up with someone, and you know them, and you know what type of person they are, I mean, to see this level of, of violence inflicted on them. And I think what was also very upsetting was the manner in which he was depicted, mm. deliberately depicted by the defence and during the trial, and the fact that Tom and Molly had mounted this argument of self-defence without any injuries. I mean, it, you know, it's not disputed that Tom and Molly didn't have a cut, they didn't have a bruise, they didn't have a scratch, nothing. They were completely uninjured. Even their clothing wasn't torn. And yet, they were alleging that they had been attacked by Jason, who had suffered such horrendous injuries. I mean, he, he was beaten in the head with a brick and a metal baseball bat. 
the medical evidence was that he was asleep in bed when the first blow was struck. The evidence was that he was lying on the floor helpless when he was also beaten and that he was even beaten after he had died. And there were so many blows sustained to his head that the pathologist in North Carolina, Dr. Craig Nelson, he couldn't even count the number of blows that likely had been inflicted on this poor man. Yeah, and there was drugs, wasn't there? And they, they had him drugged as well. So, That's that, right, so yeah. he couldn't even have put up a defence. No, the toxicology report um, indicated that there there had been an attempt to drug. That's what the prosecution said. There had been a blatant attempt to drug um, Jason Corbett. And the drug that was used, trazodone, um, a prescription for trazodone had been made to Molly Martins, his wife, just several days beforehand. Okay, and she had that bizarre Facebook account where she was trying to, this is Molly Martin, she was trying to send messages to the children. That was eventually, was it taken down or did she stop posting on it? She stopped and it was taken down, but it went much further than that. At one point there was an attempt, believe it or not, when I first heard this, I heard, I, I thought it couldn't be true, but it actually was. There was an attempt by um, by, by her and by, her, by the family to hire an aeroplane at Shannon Airport so that the aeroplane could fly with a banner behind it over the school where the children were attending in Limerick. To try to get a message through to the children. To try and get a message to the children, that's right, yes. Ah, unreal, that poor family. Okay, so we we await um, stateside for news as to to where it goes from here. That's it, yes. We will know literally within 35 days because the Attorney General has 35 days to confirm whether or not there's going to be an appeal to the um, to the Supreme Court. If that happens, well, then I'd say you're you're talking. There won't be developments in it probably for between six and twelve months. And at that point, if the Supreme Court does signal, or if there is a Supreme Court appeal, and the Supreme Court does say that there's going to be a retrial, yeah, I certainly wouldn't expect a retrial until very late 2021, possibly even 2022. Okay, and I remember reading your book at the time. I mean, it was wonderful because it brought out the man. I mean, rather than just seeing Jason Corbett, this man had been murdered. Uh, but you but you brought out the the human side of who J- Jason Corbett was as an excellent book. I take it that's still available, is it? Is that book it, still it available? Is, it, yeah. is, it is indeed. Yeah. There's a new edition okay. of it out, which is slightly cheaper than the old edition, a little bit more pocket-sized okay. and probably user-friendly for people that might be travelling on buses or trains or whatever. Okay, and it's, it's called My Brother Jason, The Untold Story of Jason Corbett's Life and Brutal Murder by Tom and Molly Martins. We'll speak again, Ralph. Thank you for You're that. And for uh, thanks uh, for joining us. Uh, good morning to you. That is uh, Ralph Regal of the Irish Independent. Uh, 1850 333 103. John Paul taking your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862 103 103. We have 11 o'clock news coming up. Don't forget, in the next hour, we'll catch up with calls and comments, uh, but also we'll be previewing Cork Southwest. I will do that after 11. Cork today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Call and collect or get seven day delivery for those cosy nights in. Lowcostfuel.ie. So, you've got a smartphone or tablet. Download the C103 app today and listen to your favourite shows on the go. On your phone, tablet, smart speaker, and radio. We are C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Talking about that was murdered in the States. Was it his wife and her father uh, that killed him? Yeah, it was his wife. Was, it was his second wife, uh, Molly Martins. His first wife had died very tragically. She was an asthmatic all of her life. And she just got a really bad asthma attack. And she died in the ambulance heading to the hospital where they lived uh, just outside of Limerick. And they were after having their second child, the baby, the little girl, Sarah, was only 12 weeks old. It was just a shocking, shocking case. And then Molly Martins then became their nanny au pair. So many, many years later, they fell in love and they went back to America. 
which is where they got married and started living their lives. But they, it, it w- certainly wasn't going well for Jason because he was already talking about moving back from the States with his two children. And I, what I thought was most telling about that story uh, was she had wanted to ado- legally adopt the children in the States and Jason, I suppose a gut instinct or something, would, didn't allow the adoption to, to go through. And that's why when Jason Corbett was found brutally murdered, his sister Tracy had been, Tracy and her husband were legal guardians. He'd made Tracy and her husband, her, his sister and her husband legal guardians after his first wife died. So they flew to the States and that's how Jack and Sarah ended up back living in Limerick and, and they're, they're in Limerick uh, since. So yeah, on that night in question, it was Molly Martins and her father, Tom Martins, who was a 30 year veteran of the FBI. And then they were found guilty of manslaughter and now, as we know, uh, a possible retrial. Uh, 1850, and sorry if I didn't make that clear when I was ch- uh, chat- chatting with uh, Ralph. 1850 uh, 333103. We're going to be speaking about the coronavirus and we won't be talking about that until later on in the programme. But a texter says, Patricia, it appears there are no plans have been made for the arrival of the coronavirus in this country. Well, Department of Health HSC will tell you different. In Australia, says this texter, they've quarantined all arrivals coming from China and they're quarantining them offshore. But Ireland, but here in Ireland, we've isolated one first suspected case in the main hospital in Cork, CUH. The mode of transmission is still being debated and until it can be confirmed, surely the government needs to take immediate action to keep it contained. The virus is going to stretch our already failing health service to the limit if it does arrive in this country and we'll find out more about it. There are two cases, there's one in Kerry and there's one in Cork and from what I can gather, the one in Cork is some a young man who recently returned from China. I think the other case was someone who was in contact with somebody who was recently returned from uh, China. But this listener feels we need to go further, we need to do like the Australians do. They, they kind of lock their country down when something like this happens. If you ever watch any of their border controls, nothing to declare is that they are so strict on what you can and can't bring into their country. And they do it because they're a little island almost in the middle of nowhere and I can see why they need to keep themselves safe. So that's what they're doing in Australia, quarantining all the all arrivals from China. No one is allowed in. They're quarantined offshore because I think it's two weeks. You can have the coronavirus and it will be two weeks before symptoms will show. So you could be walking around for two weeks with the virus, passing it on to everybody else you meet, being unaware that you actually have it. So it is very, very serious. 1850 We were talking about canvassing and I got an email in from a listener who was complaining about a canvasser calling at 7 o'clock in the evening time when it was dark and feeling that people shouldn't canvass at that hour of the night. Paul Podrick is a man in the know. He said, Patricia, you're all about canvassing late into the evening after dark. Well, let me give you an explanation as the person that has been canvassing for the past 20 plus years. The candidate has only 20 days to canvass. That is, to call to as many people as possible and in some cases this could mean the candidate will try and get around to 30,000 people. So as a canvasser I have an area to cover and if I'm willing to keep going within reason after whatever the cut off time is I will try to get that area finished. It's very difficult to try and go back to finish off a few houses so that's what could have happened in the case of the person calling at seven they were just trying to finish off the area and that's coming from somebody I suppose it says a little bit of sympathy please for the canvassers. It is not the easiest job in the world to do uh, for sure. You're, you're definitely right on uh, that. Thank you 
for your WhatsApp to 0862103103. Now, I have a couple of people on. I can see there are people commenting on the polling cards and reacting to my interview with Stephen Teep. And the outpouring of love for Stephen Teep is, is, is gorgeous. People hold him in such high regard and rightly so, can I say. But yesterday when I was talking about it, I mentioned that somebody contacted us to say that, you know, whatever about polling cards arriving and one hand not knowing what the other hand is doing. Somebody had the story of someone they knew who had passed away and that person was entitled to a free television licence. And a couple of weeks after the person died, there was a knock on the door from the television licence inspector to say, you're no longer entitled to that free television licence, you need to buy a new one. And they're just making the point that it happened so quickly. So that's prompted Michael and Mallow to contact us to say he is 70 years of age and he has his free television licence and he's now worrying. He said, if I died in the morning, would my wife continue to get the free television licence? My wife is 66. Because someone else was on to say... Um, Eileen said, listening to Stephen Teep, my story, my husband Jeremiah passed away three years ago, just three weeks after my husband Jeremiah's passing, I had a knock at the door. It was the television licence inspector and he told me, you don't have a current TV licence. I was so upset, said Eileen. He told me I had to go out and get one. You would think they would, given me, they would have given me at least a couple of weeks to realise that I now needed to get a new licence, that the original licence was in Jeremiah's name and it was a free TV licence. Uh, thank you for your programme, uh, says Eileen. It's just, I just find that so heartless to think... I mean, surely they could let, for the sake of, you know, a couple of hundred, not even a couple of hundred euro. Wouldn't you think that they would allow, if a household is entitled to a free television licence, for whatever the criteria is for a particular person, wouldn't you think when that person passes that you'd leave that TV licence run out to whenever, you know, if you bought it in May and the person then passes away the following December, wouldn't, wouldn't you think that they could wait until the television licence comes up for renewal the following May and then say, well, obviously now that TV licence was in this, in Eileen's case, that was for your husband, Jeremiah. He met the criteria for it. You don't. And then let Eileen buy the new one in May. But to arrive on somebody's door three weeks after the person has just buried her husband. I mean, the rawness of the grief three weeks after and a knock on the door to say you need to get a you need to get a television license it's just it's 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 beyond heartless i can't understand who makes who sits in an office and makes these decisions i really can't but for michael who's now worried because he's 70 has the free television license and is worried about his wife okay uh, people at the age of 70 qualify for the TV licence that's under the household benefit package but there are a group of people who qualify for a free TV licence between the ages of 66 and 70 and it's people who are on the old age pension people who get a widow or widowers are surviving civil partners pension and that's for widows and wid- widowers so just that's specifically for Michael. Don't be worried, Michael. And not that you're going anywhere tomorrow or anywhere anywhere soon. But if God forbid that happened, your wife would be okay because in her own criteria as a widow at 66, she would be entitled to it. So she'll get it. So so don't be worrying about that at all, please. And it just, and again, that kind of thing that people have to even start worrying and thinking about that is is dreadful in, it, in itself. And uh, thank you to people who've contacted us about that. Now, on people contacting us about polling cards and polling cards arriving 
after a person has passed away. Uh, Tim says, uh, O'Mary says, my mother died in June of 2017 and a polling card arrived a few days later. We also got all of the different leaflets from the canvassers. Thanking you, says Mary. You see, that I can understand if you know, somebody has just passed away, their name is on the register of electors. It's, you know, I would, I would even allow a couple of months and would say, OK, that's OK. But it's when it goes on longer than that. In Stephen's case, Irene is nearly dead three years. There has been, you know, he listed out the different elections where the polling cards have arrived. This isn't the first polling card. And actually his, is it Oscar's, his oldest um, child, who's obviously able to read because he's, he's in first class. He picked up the polling card and said... There's a postcard there for Mammy because he was he he was able to read her, her name and then it wasn't a postcard for Mammy it was it was a polling card but of course they do look like uh, polling cards. Tim says two years ago my sister sold her house and moved to France. Now she notified on post and she cancelled all of the services. The postman brought the polling card to me for the local and European elections. I returned the card to the county returning officer in Lapsky. For this election, the same thing has happened. So I sent the polling card back to the franchise office, floor 14, county hall, and I've sent it back with evidence, says Tim. And he's hoping that that's going to end it. You you may need to, let me know how you get on with that, Tim, because we've been told you need to request a form on behalf of your sister. And it's form... RFA1 and you request that from your local authority now I'm, I am i don't know but I take it you can possibly do it online can you but you have to fill that in and then you have to return it to your local authority to remove the name of a deceased person from the register of electors and I'm assuming Tim you can use that form or is that form just for deceased people maybe there's a different one to remove somebody's name who's actually left the country gone not gonna and sounding like Tim not going to be coming back anytime soon so you can take my name off the list please Hi uh, Patricia I have two married daughters and I received their polling cards in in their single names by the way they also received their polling cards in their married names they've got two votes each now not that you are in any way insinuating that your daughters vote twice because of course that is highly illegal but if you want to do a little bit of voter fraud you can see how it could go on if somebody wanted to be if somebody wanted to do it and lived you know two different polling stations you could turn up they're not going to know that you were at another polling station but as I say we're not in any way suggesting that people uh, do that and Tom in Bantry because we're going to we're in a couple of minutes we're going to be taking a look at Cork South West looking at the constituency there the runners and riders and the issues Tom says big issue for West Cork are roads he said they kept building houses right across West Cork but they never thought to improve roads at the same time the roads that were originally built in West Cork were only fit for horses and carts because that's what they were designed for there are so many roads now with so much heavy traffic on them you can be travelling for miles behind a car that happens to be driving slowly there isn't a hope of overtaking it that's leading to accidents as these roads are simply not fit for purpose again we're back to a bit of joined up thinking 1850 333 103 John Paul taking your calls phone lines by the way are busy so remember we do have texts and WhatsApp messages that you can use 0862 103 103 and of course on the WhatsApp you can also leave a, a, a voice message if you want to if there's a particular point you want to get across and you don't want to be typing it all out and you're frustrated trying to get through to John Ball feel free if you have WhatsApp on your phone to leave a voice message uh, for us C103 Jobs Part-time bookkeeper 
is required for construction and retail premises in Bantry. While Ballinacurra Housing can sell, they have a number of vacancies for the coming season. It includes a maintenance person, a gardener, groundskeeper and a kitchen porter. Apprentice floor fitter that's wanted for Bantry-based company. They will, it does cover nationwide projects and a bookkeeper is required for a busy office in the Clonakilty area. Flexible hours are available. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas, and kiln dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. And before we do our preview of the Cork South West constituency, I want to go back to Shane Fitzgerald from Inna Shannon, who we spoke with uh, yesterday because a number of people have been on to us saying, did Shane get the tickets, get the rugby tickets for his daughter? Good morning to you, Shane. Good morning. I'm, to- morning. I'm, I'm, I'm very well. I told you're actually in Dublin. Yeah, I yeah. just... Um yeah, I got a message there last last night when I was working last night, so the only time I could get up was after work this morning. So I'm hoping there's tickets there anyway, I was told. But you, so but you don't know yet? I don't know yet, no. I, I don't physically have tickets in my hand yet, so... Okay, well I can tell you, you can stop worrying. Yeah. Because Alan Reynolds of the Bantry Bay Rugby Club heard you on the radio yesterday and he's contacted us to say he has two tickets for you. One for you and one for your daughter. Oh my God, seriously? <laughs> seriously. <laughs> we were hoping to get Alan on the phone but unfortunately he's at work and he, and he couldn't take our call. So we have we have a pair of tickets for you. Oh my God, yeah, I... I'll get in touch with him straight away. Okay, I'll put you back out to John Paul and we'll we'll set up all the all the numbers. And listen, enjoy the match and you can uh, I take it your daughter's at school, but you can break the news to her later that she's heading out. It's her oh, first. It's her first match, isn't it? It's her, it's her first. Yeah, it's her first match. Yeah. Okay. Well, listen, listen, enjoy it. I will. I will most definitely. Thanks to God. Stay, stay so on the line, and I'll put you back to John Paul. Take care. Bye Thank bye, so bye much. bye. That is uh, Shane Fister from Inishannon. And once again, our thanks to Alan Mellons of the Bantry Bay Rugby Club uh, for giving us a dig out on that one. Now, second last day of our preview of the five Cork constituencies ahead of this Saturday's general election with the spotlight today on. Cork Southwest. Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter, once again uh, joining me. Good morning to you, Fiona. Good morning, Patricia. Now, Fiona, a vast constituency that covers the entire West Cork region. Now, there's a huge mix here of very rural areas, fishing villages and mid-sized towns. That's right. And the issues were very varied as well when I went around this constituency. And um, I started off um, down in Bantry. And the main issue that people raised with me in Bantry was the hospital. Now, last week, there was a meeting with over 500 people um, in attendance at that. And um, there's this massive fear in Bantry that the services are going to be downgraded. Now, they're calling for a 24-7 emergency department at Bantry. Um, And at the minute, 
in it. There is an anaesthetist there, but um, you know, as we heard from callers last week, that person has actually retired from the post, but is still there just out of the good of their heart. And once they go, if they're not replaced, then the the service will automatically be downgraded. And at that meeting last week, election candidates all signed an agreement that if they get into government, they will not allow for Bantry General Hospital to be downgraded. And another issue that came up because of the Bantry General Hospital was the condition of the roads. And I know a caller contacted you there before I came on. And people are saying that it's fine if you're going to go from West Cork to CUH if you have the roads. But if you are trying in an emergency situation to get up from Bantry to or even from any of the peninsulas to CUH and on those roads that we have in West Cork at the minute, it's just not doable in the you know required time. And as somebody said to me, we don't do fast lanes in West Cork. There aren't any fast lanes. So if you get stuck behind, say, a tractor in the summertime or if you get stuck behind somebody who's going really, really slow, there's nowhere to just nowhere to overtake or if you come across roadworks you know um, you, you're stuck behind them as well so they were saying that um, you know to, to retain services or to improve services at Bantry General Hospital but also to improve roads and um, I think the first fox pop that you have there Patricia is people outlining their concerns about Bantry General Hospital if it is downgraded The hospital is a, is a great resource to the area uh, and uh, it's a fantastic facility lovely people working up there uh, and I think it would be a major mistake if, if it was downgraded, you know. If in an emergency you had to travel up to CUH, would that put fear into you? It would because I've, unfortunately last year I had quite a bad year and I had some major surgery myself. Mm-hmm. And I've been up and down to the hospital quite a bit over the last year and a half. And the roads are absolutely shocking. No markings on the road and it is quite dangerous. Uh, and every time I travel up there, especially if you're going up in an evening now, especially during the winter, mm-hmm. The roads are lethal. The catchment area is the entire West Cork region. Uh, it's the islands of West Cork. Uh, it is parts of North Cork and parts of South Kerry as far as Kenmare. So it's huge that our services are in Bantry Hospital. They are local. They are accessible to everybody in the region. For me on Cape, I rely heavily on the lifeboat. I rely heavily on the ambulance service. And I rely heavily on the air ambulance, which is also under threat. Um, And if all of those services are not in tandem and they have to travel so far to CUH, then we might as well lock up uh, behind us because there won't be any quality of life in West Cork. Saying that we can get to these services in time, there will be blood on the HSE's hands. It's as simple as that, and that's not a scaremonger statement. That's a very clear fact. The golden hour is critical, and there's a reason it's critical. This is 2020. These are basic human rights. These are services that we should have access to. I mean, I hate the thought... Like, my daughter was rushed by ambulance um, on oxygen um, due to an asthma attack. Normal conditions that wouldn't normally be life-threatening could now become life-threatening as a result of delays in getting us to services if this happens. People feeling uh, incredibly passionate about Bantry Hospital and and you're right Fiona, there is that danger and that fear that it'll be closed by stealth Mm. if that anaesthetist decides, you know and fair dues to that man that he's working beyond his retirement but the day will come when he'll no Mm. longer be able to do it and then that fear is he's gone and that's it, it'll be closure by stealth.
That's right. And I think there's a fear as well that there are consultants there, but if they retire, then there's no one coming behind them to replace them. And, you know, as as that man said to me, or one of the men that I spoke to said to me that, you know, if the hospital is downgraded, it's not going to encourage young people to come into the area who have just been trained up. And, um, you know, and... and Somebody else said to me that Bantry General Hospital is a huge employer in the area as well. There's a lot of nurses mm-hmm. and doctors and, um, you know, Care employees staff. there. And Yeah, exactly. So um, it is such a massive resource. And as that woman in the Vox Pop said, it serves such a massive region. It just doesn't seem to make any sense to have all of those people coming up to an already congested CUH. Um, and especially, as the man said, you know, that the roads are just not suitable. And if you're in an emergency situation, you need to get to a hospital ASAP. And, you know, the roads just are not going to facilitate that. So it is, it's a massive issue. And I think it's an issue that affects people of all ages. You know, sometimes, um, some, in, when I was doing the constituency profile some issues were relevant to different age groups or they may have been relevant to a certain town or village in the area but this issue with Bantry General Hospital it's it's the entire West Cork region mm. and it's all ages um, and it's definitely one issue that's being raised time and time again with candidates Okay, and I'm just seeing that Noel Baker, the journalist with the Examiner, is tweeting. This is just on a West Cork story: the upgrade to the country's mm. only cable car, the new and the new visitor centre at Dursey Island in West Cork is going to proceed. Of course, there was um, objections there, but objectors oh, okay. withdrew their concerns mm. uh, against the CPO element of the plan at an oral hearing today in Glengarry. So that's a bit of good news. And the other issues that came up when you were in Bantry. Yeah, um, one of the issues that kind of took me by surprise was housing and the availability of housing because in the city we hear all the time of housing and homelessness and across the country but I suppose we don't really expect it to be an issue in more um, rural parts of the country but I did speak to a woman in Bantry who said that they had a number of homeless people in the town last year and I also spoke to a man who works in a fish shop in Bantry and he was raising concerns about the, the level of fish stocks that we have at the minute. People are funny very hard for to rent houses down here but even trying to find them to rent it's literally impossible apartments impossible there was a fellow staying in a tent out at the abbey but the community came together and they fundraised for him they got him a place to stay and he's really happy and there was another fellow down sleeping on the square and bus shelter and somebody noticed it and put up an appeal and they've now found him a place to stay as well one concern that we do have is our fish it's all going to spain you know so um Trying to get some local fish sometimes can be a bit of a challenge, you know. No, you live beside the sea. Even though we're on an island, you know, it's crazy. Uh, the amount of um, Spanish boats that are landing down in Castletown and stuff like that now is a bit of a concern, but there doesn't seem to be any talk about it over on the election at all at the moment, you know. Okay, and people commenting on the roads coming in by uh, text. Patricia, I totally agree with that uh, gentleman who contacted you about the state of the roads in West Cork. They simply are only fit for horse and cart. I've actually sent an email to the council about one particular road in Dunmanway, uh, from Dunmanway to League. The surface is awful. Uh, the road engineers must see it and feel it as they drive over it. I am awaiting their response. Hospitals, roads and transports, says somebody else. They're all the current issues in West Cork. And the detector says hospitals, lack of GPs, South Dock services, roads, pensions, childcare, carers, broadband are all major issues in West Cork. And then you also, thank you for those uh, texts, folks. You also went to Bandon to get a feel of what is uh, getting people upset in the Bandon area. 
Yes, I did. And um, I suppose a big issue for um, traders in particular in Bandon at the minute is the roadworks. And I know you've covered that quite a bit on your show, Patricia. And um, I suppose for a lot of people who are in and around that Main Street area, they were hit by flooding on numerous occasions in Bandon. Now they've got the issue of roadworks, which... Um, they're being carried out to facilitate the Bandon Road and uh, the Water and Sewer Network scheme, which will be of huge benefit to the town. But these roadworks have been going on for over a year now, and it looks like they'll be going on for another while yet. And um, I spoke to one trader who told me about the difficulties that that is um, bringing on to, to traders, and he was saying that they would love to see some sort of an assistance program for small businesses. And it was an issue that was raised in Cantark as well, um, if you remember during the week where small traders are finding it difficult to to keep afloat and this man was saying like if the government could offer them something to try and keep and and uh, help with the with the rates and rent or whatever it is that they're struggling with but you know he said that it is a it's, it's a big issue in the town at the minute well at the moment now it's the traffic in the, the traffic flow through the town like with the road works and everything is really doing and total damage to us really you know and yeah. business and everything is done because they say they were meant to get a proper uh, way around it but they didn't get the proper way around it as yet it started about a year ago and it's, since then our business has gone down and like you guys were all hit by flooding here we a couple were. of years ago so has it been difficult then to build yourself up from that and then hit again now with the oh it has yeah it has and it's very very hard to keep the show on the road I tell you the truth mm-hmm. impossible but this is all I know and I have to stay at it unfortunately how long have you been in business 20, I'm in business 26 years so, like, for the new government coming in now, um, what kind of a message would you give to them and for the well, people? More helpful to small businesses, definitely more helpful to small businesses and help them out and tax-wise and everything. The revenue really aren't giving us any help either, you know. They should be really fighting for small businesses as well and helping us. Uh, there's a, a trader in the Bandon uh, area. So, tough going in some of those towns and then you add something like that, like the road works. Yeah, and it was very sad to see, Patricia. Um, when I was covering the flooding in Bandon, um, I spoke a couple of times, actually, to a man called Frank O'Leary, who had a retailer, um, a, cl- a clothing shop there on the main street in Bandon, Frank O'Leary and Daughters. And he had spoken to me at the time about, you know, the, the uh, not having any flood insurance and how difficult it was. And um, when I was down there the other day, that business is actually closed down. Um, and it was, it was just sad to see it. And mm-hmm. I suppose it really hit home the difficulties that these uh, retailers are facing in the smaller towns. Now, the runners and riders in Cork uh, Southwest, mm. there are three seats uh, to be filled. We are definitely going to have one new face with the announcement last year that uh, Minister Jim Daly for Fine Gael stepping down. That's right. Um, Fine Gael have had uh, a seat in this constituency for so many years now and Jim Daly has held that seat for for a long, long number of years and he announced, I think with great shock to the Fine Gael party and a lot of um, constituents that he wasn't going to contest this general election. Now Fine Gael have put uh, Senator Tim Lombard on the ticket to replace him in the campaign and he has been, like he was a county councillor, he's currently a senator so he is a very well-known face in the West Cork area and Fine Gael are also running uh, councillor Karen Coakley. Um, so I suppose the Fine Gael, the party are really hoping that um, I suppose like Senator Tom, Tim Lombard would have the higher profile and they're really hoping that he's going to be able to take that seat um, that was vacated by Jim Daly but um, Fianna Fáil this time around are um, they're running two people and they're deemed to be very strong candidates Patricia um, Margaret Murphy O'Mahony she topped the poll in 
2016 and she was the only female TD elected in all of Cork City and County and she's running again Um, but they're also running uh, Councillor Christopher O'Sullivan who is the current Mayor of uh, Cork County and his father was uh, a TD before him, Christy O'Sullivan and um, you know we spoke yesterday as well about the importance of geography in these elections and uh, Christopher is from that kind of middle section of the constituency he's from around the Clonakilty area Margaret Murphy O'Mahony is from the Bandon area which would be more of the eastern side um, of the constituency so now people are wondering: Will they take that second seat? Will they be? Will Will Margaret do better than Tim in that um, side of the constituency? Uh, and will Fine Gael get two seats, or will Christopher Sullivan take the seat uh, and knock Margaret out? Uh, which is also being suggested because by a lot of people. Because there's always there's always the danger. Because when Margaret topped the poll, as you say in 2016, she was the only Fianna Fáil candidate running. There's the danger now mm. that the vote gets split. That's right, yeah. And because they're from two different areas as well, that could happen. And, um, and you know, Christopher is, um, you know, he's been building a profile for himself and, you know, he's a young face and, you know, there's a long history, family history there as well. So um, I think that there's a possibility that their plan to get two seats could actually backfire on Margaret Murphy O'Mahony, but it might not. Um, it's it's just, it's one of those questions that's being raised in this constituency and I think it makes um, a prediction for this constituency constituency quite difficult. Um, and and also, it traditionally um, has been an area that always returned either two Fianna Fáil, one Fianna Gael or two Fianna Gael, one Fianna Fáil. Mm. But then of course the introduction of independent candidate and who won a seat, uh, Michael Collins. Michael that changed Collins. last time around. He has a very high profile in the area. He does, and in particular with the more elderly people, um, you know, he has been running these uh, buses to Belfast and has helped hundreds of people get procedures like cataracts and other surgeries that they mightn't have been able to get here because of the waiting lists, and he has brought them up to Belfast. Um, and also with the farmers, he, um, you know, I met him several times on the picket line outside ABP in Bandon last year, and he was standing very firmly with the farmers. He's a farmer himself and knew of the difficulties that they had over. Had, um, we're facing so you know he has um, quite a, a big profile he's from that kind of western side of the constituency and even people that I spoke to in that area around Bantry they were all kind of mentioning him as somebody that they would vote for so and if um, you look back to the last the local elections his brother Danny took the stood in the in place of him for the local election uh, seat and uh, Danny Collins topped the poll I think he was a thousand over the quota and that was only last May yeah, um, now the only um, thing that might kind of, the only person who might damage his um, chances of getting in, now I don't think it will, I think he is definitely going to get in but maybe not get as many uh, votes as he did the last time is Councillor Holly Cairns. Now she's fairly new to politics, she was voted in um, to the Cork County Council last uh, year but if you can remember Patricia, we had that uh, Bantry recount between herself and Finbar Harrington and it went on for days and days and um, she eventually won the seat by one vote and it kind of raised her profile a little bit and she's young and she's um, she's very strong on issues around the environment and around sustainability and climate. Um, she's a farmer herself. She's a young businesswoman. So she might appeal to the more younger people in um, that constituency as and well. And she's also... Now whether or not she has... She's also romantically linked to one of the ca- other candidates. Yes, uh, herself and Christopher O'Sullivan. <laughs> so whether there's going to be transfer of votes there between them, we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> now, if the Sinn Féin bounce is evident, 
is 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 it, it turns to if if the people that are saying they'll vote for Sinn Fein if they turn out on Saturday and there is a bounce mm-hmm. towards Sinn Fein, uh, Paul Hayes, the councillor, he's very popular. He is, yeah, and he is a county councillor and he's very popular and um, I think going into this um, he probably wasn't in serious contention for a seat but now given the fact that the polls are going very much in Sinn Féin's favour I think he's definitely in the mix now um, and I wouldn't be counting him out either so I think it's definitely going to be a very interesting constituency to follow given the fact that you know as you said historically there's always either two Fianna Fáil, one Fianna Gael or vice versa. Um, is that pattern going to follow but we have completely different faces than what we've had from last time around or are we going to still have that same pattern so um, it'll be or or are we going to have a completely different pattern are we going to have social democrats and Sinn Féin in a constituency that maybe they were uh, never in before so um, yeah it's definitely going to make it very interesting and the Green Party also have a candidate as well with Bernadette Connolly Um, Ain't to have Mairead Ruan Um, Kevin O'Connor is standing for the Solidarity People Before Profit and there's two in Independence, um, along with uh, Michael Collins. There's also Councillor Alan Coleman, again, a very um, well-known face in, in West Cork. You would, never root, many, many you would years. never root out Alan Coleman. He's got he's No, got and he does have records. links to Fianna Fáil as yeah. well. So, yeah. you know, um, wouldn't be ruling him out yet. And we have Sean O'Leary as well. So, um, they're the 12. And I asked people how they will be voting. And I think you might have a clip of that there. Um, I do, yes. We're really stuck. Really stuck on who to vote for. So it's not like you're tied into a party or anything no. like that. Like no. I have voted for uh, Fianna Gael in mm. the past, uh, but uh, I don't think they'll be getting my vote this time, to be honest. You know, just not happy. It's too slow. The progress is just way too slow. They're talking about the same problems that they were electioneering with four years ago. You know, it's exactly the same thing. In fact, it's got a lot worse. I have changed before, you know. So I could change it again a lot. I'd be swayed a lot by leaders, I suppose. You know, the economy is good, generally good. But there seems to be uh, unhappiness, you know, to a certain degree. I think you have a rural urban divide as well, you know. I have my mind made up. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. So I will vote definitely for somebody that I know. Some people were quite shy about telling you, weren't they, um, Fiona, as to who they yeah. were going to vote for? <laughs> yeah. Or maybe they were just afraid that their voices would be recognised and um, yeah. that the the person, you know, I suppose with Ireland and our, our voting system, there's a lot of local politics involved as well. And a lot of people would vote for somebody that they know over the years. So uh, maybe they just didn't want to, to let uh, people know who they were going to vote for <laughs> in case they let down yeah. a friend or something, you know. So, um, but it is, it's, it's uh, you know, we were saying this all week Um a lot of people seem to be kind of considering maybe changing or they're going to give a huge amount of consideration to who they're voting for this time around. And I think it's going to be a very interesting election. Do you know, I, I don't think we can that anybody can sit back and say, oh, I'm, I'm guaranteed a seat or that person is a definite. I think there's going to be quite a few surprises this time around. And as we said at the outset, there's definitely going to be one new face uh, for West Cork for sure. Okay, mm, all right. Definitely, yeah, yes. And tomorrow is our final constituency, which is one of the city ones. And we're doing Cork South Central. Cork yeah. South Central. Okay, we'll chat with you uh, tomorrow about that. Thank you, Fiona. And Thank you. Uh, thanks uh, for joining us. Uh, 1850 Does uh, John Paul said he's getting in a, uh, a few calls to say it wasn't always Fianna Gael, Fianna Fáil. Michael Pat was there for a good while for Labour. Let me just tell you 
for how long it was Fianna Gael, Fianna Fáil. Let me just look back. I'm, I've got the election results in, in front of me. Um, in 2016, it was Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael and the one independent being Michael Collins. And then the 2011, it was two Fianna Gael and one Labour. Fianna Fáil lost out completely there. That was when Michael McCarthy took the seat. But then, let's start looking back at the other elections. In 2007, it was two FGs, one F. F. 2002, 2FF, 1FG. 1997, 2FG, 1994. Two Fianna Gael, one Fianna Fáil, nineteen eighty one. That's when remember we had the three elections together. Uh, two Fianna Gael, one Fianna Fáil, and you've got to go back to the nineteen seventy seven election for Michael Murphy of the Labour Party, who was there in seventy seven and seventy three and sixty nine. So you're talking uh, way, not way back, but way back to the seventies. Uh, so I think I was correct in saying that traditionally, for the last number of uh, decades, it has been Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael stronghold. Eighteen fifty. 333103. John Paul continues to take your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Cork today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Short Castle Street, Mallow. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln dried wood, and gas. Lowcostfuel.ie. Marie says employment or unemployment, perhaps, uh, is a real concern in uh, West Cork, along with jobs, path, and the other job activation schemes many people find them of absolutely no use they are real concerns for people in West Cork thank you for that uh, Marie and just to mention for Rebecca contacted us earlier uh, to say hi guys I have a bit of a problem we have a leak in our terrace in Canturk now I've been on to Irish Water got on to the local council even been on to local TDs and no one has even come out to take a look at the leak I live in an area where a lot of elderly people live we've tried everything and hence the reason for trying us. Now we have, as soon as we got that in from Rebecca, we've sent on the information to Irish Water and from Cork County Council and we are awaiting a reply. But just to let Rebecca know, we've been on to Irish Water and Cork County Council as well. So hopefully with this all on to them, something will get done ASAP. But it does seem such a shame to hear of a leak when we're constantly hearing about how we need to preserve water and the environment and don't be running your tap when you're brushing your teeth. And, and we're always told if you spot a leak, report it. Rebecca has reported it and nothing's happened. 1850-333-103 going to take a break we're heading towards news at uh, 12 midday in the next hour we're going to be discussing the coronavirus and the fact that there's two suspected cases one in Kerry and one at Cork University Hospital here in Cork Cork today on C103 with a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go Shortcastle Street Mallow call and collect or get seven day delivery for those cosy nights in lowcostfuel.ie the count for election 2020 happens this Sunday. 18 new Cork TDs will be elected from five constituencies. Join C103 for an exclusive online programme from 6pm Sunday with live results, tallies, predictions and analysis. Download the C103 app and click on Election 2020 Cork or go to c103.ie to listen live. Plus, follow us on Twitter for the very latest from all five Cork constituencies. Election 2020 Cork. Live. Live online this Sunday from 6pm on C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
Marge was on to say, could John Paul find out is there a rally in Clannacilty this weekend? I checked with him, he's a man in the know and he says, no, there isn't a rally on this weekend but why people are talking about the West Cork rally is they're having an official launch. They always have a launch so many weeks out ahead of the rally. So it's the launch of the West Cork rally is happening this weekend but the rally itself is not on. Now, some of your other thoughts coming in. We were speaking about the Jason Corbett case in the States and the fact now that it's gone to retrial. Tim says, America Americans always protect their own, such as the woman who is wanted for questioning in connection with a fatal accident in England. Oh, that's the woman who's claiming diplomatic immunity, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Even with Boris Johnson and Donald Trump being so chumsy. Remember the Foxy Noxy case in Italy? Uh, A PR firm and a retired FBI agent was enlisted to get the verdict on Amanda Knox overturned, says uh, Tim. So, oh, I would hate to think that Molly Martins and Tom Martins would walk away when you look at all the evidence stacked up uh, against them. We'll keep a, a close eye on the state side to see what comes out on this story. OK, some of your thoughts coming in on the election. Uh, Sandy says, is the election publicity of the horrible murder of the 21-year-old, that's Paul Quinn, is that being used as revenge PR? by some of the main parties and others. Similar to for the tweet by Sinn Féin. Do you remember alleging corruption that jeopardised the election attempt of the presidential candidate Sean Gallagher years back? Could this be seen as revenge publicity? It could, however, have very serious consequences for Northern Ireland a government that has only recently been restored and uh, yeah, everyone would worry that anything, that anything would happen that would jeopardise the government because it's only settling in 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 Northern Ireland I mean they're still I I think on shaky enough uh, ground so you wouldn't want anything uh, to jeopardise that for sure John says Patricia this is um, when we've been discussing polling cards arriving for people who are, are deceased and then we're hearing about television licence inspectors calling to people's doors after a loved one has passed away to say that television licence has died with the person you don't need to go out and buy a television licence so insensitive John sends in a text saying Patricia my wife was dead 15 years when I got an invoice from the hospital where she had her treatment for cancer as she had attended the emergency department two days earlier and I'm assuming two days before she died and it took 15 years for the invoice to arrive. That is a total bizarre one because unfortunately I have heard and hospitals and the HSC will often come out and apologise and say you know it was computer generated and the computer spat out the invoice. I have heard of people almost coming back from the funeral home to a letter addressed to the deceased person for a bill from the hospital which is uh, really shocking. Uh, John in Ballangiri says my wife died last May. Uh, sorry to hear that John I received a polling card for my wife last Monday week but the flip side of this is I haven't received any polling card but my deceased wife has got one what is actually going on Oh, uh, I would straight away, John, if you've got access to the internet, go on checktheregister.ie to make sure that you're still registered. Now, I'm not saying that this has happened, but could it be that your name got removed and your wife's didn't? I mean, hopefully that is not the case and that your name is still on the register of electors. But it does seem a bit bizarre 
that your wife's would arrive who's deceased and yours hasn't. Now maybe yours just got lost somewhere in, in the post and that you're still on the register but I would certainly check it uh, you know when you go down the morning uh, to vote you'll be able to check it but rather than turn up because if your name is taken off you you know you, you unfortunately will not be able uh, to uh, vote uh, but Mary in the south side of the city um, oh that's I'll go, I'll go back to that because that's on that's just on using uh, junk mail um, Michael says I'm getting the leaflets from the candidates for my late wife and yesterday uh, I'm after receiving her poll, poll, polling card no joint up thinking between them all she never got a polling card in the last few years but she did this time round what kind of a register are they working off says Michael I'm a farmer if I made a mistake in a form I'd be penalised but it's like this gang can do what they want that's very strange very strange Michael because if she hadn't received them for the other elections it means her name had been removed from the register of electors so if it had been removed how has her name gone back on it again Really, yeah, it just needs a complete over, overhaul. Absolutely needs a complete overhaul. 1850-333-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Mitchellstown Walking Group are holding their Operation Transformation 2K and 5K walks and runs. It's every Tuesday and Thursday evening, so it's on tonight. You register at 7 at the MLC. Mallow Art Club, they've got their first demonstration for 2020 um, in the Mercy Centre at half past seven. Jessica Barron, originally from Quebec, will demonstrate techniques relating to landscape scenery. All are welcome this evening. The Bohobwee Music Room that's on tonight at eight, Pierce Memorial Hall, Maura Sheehan will be present. And Kildallery Community Development, they've got their lotto draw tonight. The jackpot there is €1,100. And next Sunday, there'll be a 45-car drive at the San Pit House, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. The entry is €20. Semi-final and finals then will be held on Friday the 21st at 8. There will be a raffle and money left over after the prize giving will be donated to the Rapid Response Air Ambulance. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln-dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie We've got it at breakfast. Morning. How are you? Waking you up with Cork's greatest hits. We've got it for Cork today. Would parents be allowed to fundraise for the creches? Why should they have yeah, to? Yeah. And we've got it all day long. Couldn't believe it. Big section of the shop just reserved for Easter eggs. Oh, I didn't buy one, but I was tempted. And on your smart speaker, if you have one, ask it to play C103. I'd love to hear from you. Anybody uh, celebrating birthdays or anniversaries, whatever it is, uh, let me know. Once again, you've showed us the love. 240,000 people now listen to C103 and Cork's 96 FM every week. Source Genelor Ipsos MRBI 2019-4. Thanks for listening to Cork's greatest hits. C103. Hashtag choose radio. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. 
Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. And thank you to a listener who's just sent in a copy of, I'm assuming it's an email of a scam that's doing the round saying, Hi Patricia, I just thought I'd send you on this scam as it might easily catch people out thinking there are new import taxes on online shopping. And it's meant, it says it's coming from a Dublin distribution centre and that you have to pay a two euro shipping fine hasn't been paid on your delivery and once you pay it your payment your item will be delivered and then of course it asks for your bank account details and all of that for you to pay the money Listener says an elderly person might get caught out easily for a moment she said when I received it I nearly paid it without thinking because I was in such a hurry so please be careful for my, uh, we're going to for my guard the station where Sergeant John Kelly joins us for this week's crime file uh, good afternoon to you um, John Good afternoon. Uh, and you're welcome. Yet another scam. You just have to be so careful, don't you? Yet another scam. And, and it's very well thought out because it is exactly, uh, if you're listening to the news with Brexit and with everything else, um, it could exactly catch you. And as the caller said to you, they were in a hurry. Yeah. And if somebody in a hurry could get caught, the two euro, very, very small amount, but it's that critical thing again, the bank details. Yeah. And, uh, I, you, you know, but all those scams are coming back. And um, and that said, I'm going to start with two scams. Okay. Um, seeing as you've just been mentioning one, and the first scam is actually one which caught out a person. Um, they were contacted there on a couple of occasions between uh, last Friday, the 31st of January, and the 4th of the 2nd, uh, 4th of February, just gone to Tuesday. They received numerous phone calls between those dates where a male caller was deceived to him into giving details of his bank account. Now. Um, purporting to you from the AR fraud team, you know. So, I mean, they were able to construct a story. Something like 10,000 was taken. Oh, goodness. Good work, good good work by the bank in the fact that they were able to put out a recall on that and got got literally all back for about 20 quid. But, I mean, it could very, very well easily have disappeared into the ether, you you know. So, um, there's there's no saying that the next one the money won't be retrieved in time. You know, so that's a very, very well-constructed um, scam, the way they, they talked them into giving giving details. Um, so for people to be aware of that, those calls are going to continue keep uh, calling. Um, another one, and this is actually a different type of fraud, because in this case, you make the contact yourself. Okay. You make the contact because you're after being on the computer, you're after Googling how to get a loan, particularly an unsecured loan. So it could be a person that is already under money pressure. You know, they're looking to get a loan without having to provide security for it. Um, They came across a a website offering unsecured loans. And in fact, if you click onto your your computer after a period of inactivity, those ads will come up anyway. Mm. Now, this this ad had a .ie address. Uh, so the domain name was registered in Ireland. Basically, uh, the injured party emailed them saying that she was interested in a loan, got a phone call back from uh, a male with a, uh, what appeared to be an Indian accent. Um, now, following this conversation, she transferred two sums of money, altogether amounting to in the region of €900, Euros by Western Union. Um, there was a couple of requests came for further sums for in order to process the loan she wanted, she realised at that stage that was a scam. But, I mean, the, the 900 euros gone, you know. Um, now, this scam I came across, uh, again, only a couple of months ago. So, uh, you, you know, there's, it's people that are shopping for unsecured credit are being targeted with, with, with this particular scam. 
And, and it, 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 it baffles me this because I've heard of this one before. They try to persuade you that you need to give them money in order for them to yeah. release the funds that they're giving, even though you're going for, I mean, if you go for a loan in the bank or the credit union, you go in, you Correct. borrow your money and you get your money. You don't give them money first. But these scam artists somehow persuade the person you need to give money in order to release the funds. Yes, yes. And and they probably may tell them that, oh, well, that money that you give will go towards your first uh, repayment. Oh, you know? OK. All right. So, so it's only how people are it. getting duped. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they already have this uh, have this thought through, you know. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I mean, they're making they're making a considerable amount, you know, amount of money the whole time from it. That's why they uh, continue to do it. It is. So look, I'd again say to people, you know, your local credit union, you know, in every town village, you know, has served the community well for for the last sixty, seventy years. You know, um, there's no such thing as a free lunch out there. You know, those 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 websites offering unsecured loans. You you know you just 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 be very very wary of what you what you log on to and what you give details to. Okay. You know, so um, as I say, there's there's three different types of scam. You know, one of them, and and was a caller contacted you about them. You know, yeah. But I mean, there's they're coming, they're morphing into different scams the whole time, and there's considerable amounts of money being taken with them. You know, um, okay. I suppose the the next thing, two things I want to mention there. Um, is a, a burglary that, that happened at uh, Bia there in Bridesbridge, Castle Lines. Now, um, the, thankfully the alarms and all functioned properly. Um, it was last Tuesday, again the 4th of the 2nd, early hours in the morning, 3 o'clock, between 3 o'clock and about 4.30, there was an entry made to the premises. Only a very, very small amount of, you know, of petty cash was taken. But the main thing to, to say is everything everything worked well. But if anyone was in the area and they saw anything suspicious, any unusual vehicles, if they have a dash cam, you know, interrogate it, see if you've seen anything, you know, maybe a taxi driver or somebody was in the area, they may have something on their dash cam footage. Um, last Friday, uh, the Gardaí there in Mallow, 0222-1105, this is probably a localised crime because it happened at about 10 past 11 at night where a school was broken into. Um, and in this case, small amount of petty cash, but was the damage that was done to two offices that were broken into. You know, they were ransacked and quite a bit of damage was done. So we, we'd appeal to anyone, you know, in the area of School Angusa, Castellans, Mallow, if they saw any activity around the school, uh, so 10 o'clock up till about 12 o'clock at night, you know, if they saw anything, if they could get in contact with guards at Mallow, you know, because as I said, quite a bit of damage damage was done and um, to the school yeah yeah Yeah, and I always hate when schools get targeted particularly primary school because it can really frighten children into believing you know there are really bad people out there who would come in and do this in in their schools it's it's a horrible thing for children to have to go through absolutely and the parents association then you know as if things aren't bad enough are going to be faced with with probably coming up with a large proportion of, of that bill so you know, those aren't victimless crimes. Absolutely. You know? So for people, you've got to be aware of that. Okay, um, and, and Michael, one of our listeners, has just been on to say, I've had no less than four calls from an automated service yesterday telling me my Amazon account will be automatically discontinued as I think the figure they're looking for is thirty nine ninety nine uh, a month. I do not have an Amazon account. I never had an Amazon account. So I knew straight away it was a scam. But people need to be aware. But, but uh, lots of people do have Amazon accounts. Absolutely, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, I mean the 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 amount of people out there now with Amazon accounts and every other type of account. But again, it just shows that the way fraud is morphing. It changes you, you all know, the time. Uh, yeah. Again, automatic, automated uh, t- 
telephone calls and everything else, you know. And they're Why just they computer generators. That isn't somebody Absolutely, sitting there yeah. dialing your number uh, for fear people think it is. Okay, and your final one? Final thing, Patricia, just to, um, uh, just to let you know, an alert member of the public there a couple of weeks ago uh, put uh, the Gardaí there and for my detective branch in contact with, with something that they had noticed. It turns out, anyway, that... Um, they noticed unusual activity at a, at a house in Killavullen. They contacted the guards. A search was made. Um, a very, very experienced Eastern European uh, organised crime gang was disrupted, uh, who, who were just settling in, having rented a house. Um, the person renting the house was kind of tricked into believing it was an Eastern European couple who were going to be taking a house, a man and a, a, man and a woman. Um, it turns out, anyway, five men, three of them who had quite... Uh, Quite long and detailed criminal convictions. Um, they were one of those gangs that would have been targeting filling stations, pharmacies, phone shops, and, and the like. So um, before they got too well settled and before they started working in the area, we've seized a number of cars, a Volkswagen Touareg, an Audi, a state which would be a very fast car, and then a good amount of cutting equipment was was taken or was taken by the guards when they went to the house. But I'm just reinforcing the message for people to, just to keep their keep their eyes and ears open, you know, and if they see any unusual activity, you know, get in contact with us and we can assess uh, whether there's anything to it. And that was Um, as a direct result of a tip-off? That was a direct result of a member of the public noticing something that they thought was, didn't fit the bill and getting in contact with us. Well done, well done. You know, well done. So, um, finally, Patricia, I know there's a yellow wind warning in place. People will be going down to to their local election station. Um, The wind warning coincides with the election. There's a lot of literature on polls up and down the country um, if those uh, cable ties aren't done properly if the cable ties are too old they're going to break easily you know and there might be a lot of flying posters people for people to be aware of that you know when they're out driving you know OK driver um, care alright listen thank you for thank that you uh, John thanks and thanks for joining us that is Sergeant John Kelly uh, joining us from Formoy uh, Guard the Station and well done to whoever gave that tip off about that house in uh, Kilavallen and also well done to the Gardaí who caught a guy this is a story out of Dublin that I saw on the paper this morning that just really annoyed me because it was to do with an elderly lady an 89 year old uh, woman who was uh, knocked to the ground and mugged and she fair juice where she turned up at Dublin Circuit Court to give her impact her victim impact uh, statement and she explained she's a lady by the name of Nina McCauley she just left the hairdressers in Dublin City Centre when she said she was bashed into by this guy David Allen a 34 year old thug who then knocked her to the ground she banged and cut her head and all also cut her arm when she fell down. She said she found herself lying on the ground with tears running down her face when then she realised her ba- her handbag had been, it was gone. He'd robbed her handbag, the little scut. Uh, in her victim impact statement, she said her nieces now have to bring her to the hairdresser where in the past she was very happy to walk down there herself. But she, And she said she even has trouble sleeping now after the incident. She said, why should the likes of him do that to the likes of me. She said he wouldn't have done it to a strong man. She said, I'm proud to have reached this age. She's 89. But I'm sad to say it makes me an easy target. And the guy, this David Allen guy, who was before the courts, was actually out on bail for robbery when he attacked and robbed Mrs. McCauley's handbag. He seemed he had been 
he'd been arrested for an attack on a taxi driver when he it was an attempted robbery of a taxi driver but obviously the taxi driver was strong enough and was able to get him out, out of the car and the, he, he, he gave him well, the taxi driver gave him the money that he had and then the, the accused ran off but then he was caught by the guardie and at the time when he was interviewed that he was strung out on heroin but they released him on bail and it was when he was out on bail that he attacked this poor 86 year old woman and took her handbag and God knows she was down at the hairdresser so there was probably a few bob uh, in it now the judge has said there's no doubt there will be a lengthy custodial sentence and he's remanded this guy in custody until the 5th of May so we'll have to wait until we see what the, the sentencing uh, is but the fact that he was out on bail and he also had 25 previous convictions including convictions for attempted robbery burglary and theft but it's what he's done to this poor 87 year old I just thought it was heartbreaking you know to hear her say that then her nieces now luckily she's got nieces they have to bring her down to the hairdressers. She's too afraid. She probably went down to the hairdressers once a week and enjoyed the stroll down the road. And now she's too fearful to do that anymore. So somebody has to bring her and collect her that she's not sleeping uh, sleeping properly. And, you know, and, it, and she is right when she says, why should the likes of him do that to the likes of me? God help her. God help her. I hope she does make a full recovery from it. But her life will never be the same because that guy decided that he needed another fix of heroin but another person out on bail with 25 previous uh, convictions it's just we need to clamp down on crime and I know that is one of the issues that certainly is coming up for a lot of people on the doorsteps when when politicians have been coming around uh, calling a lot of people are just sick to the teeth of what's happening with our justice uh, system Can I touch on Brexit for a minute Michael was on to say now that the UK has gone out of the EU well they're in this transition period at the moment but I know what you're saying Michael, will they have to go out of Euro millions? Was Euro millions not set up for the people of the European Union? Mm, I don't know. I'll have to look into that. I don't know if it was set up for the members of the European Union or was it set up for, for countries in Europe? Because remember, the United Kingdom might be out of the EU, but they're not out of Europe. They're obviously still part of Europe. I'll look into it. I, d- I don't really know. I haven't heard. I've heard of a lot of things will eventually change when the full Brexit happens. But whether they'll be kicked out of the Euro millions or not, I don't know. I, I absolutely uh, don't know. 1850 Brian in Mallow says, just to highlight Ayers email service. Oh, I actually had a piece on this. I haven't got around to it yet and I will. I won't go around to today. I'll start to get around to it in more detail tomorrow. But just to make people aware, if your email comes from AIR, you've one of the AIR email accounts, they're starting to charge from, from the end of March five ninety nine per month for people to use the email. Now, a lot of people have these email, particularly elderly people who, when they first went online, the first email address for a lot of people was their one from air, so they're, they're still using them. And community groups and schools use them as well, and associations. So Brian says, just to be aware of it, I will try and get to it and do a, a longer piece tomorrow on that because I don't know how many people are actually aware of it or not. You can switch over, of course, to you know, like the likes of um, Google. Um, Google is a free has a free email but it's a bit of a palaver to get all your contacts over and if you get regular emails in and all of that and if you don't pay the money what happens your email will just simply disappear I think after a two month period 1850 John Paul continues to take your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Cork today on C103 with a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go Short Castle Street Mallow open seven days for smokeless coal turf kiln dried wood and gas lowcostfuel.ie 
this is the Cork Today replay on C103. Had a couple of your texts in. My sister also got that call that you were speaking about from uh, Amazon yesterday. And like your other caller, says Sheila, my sister doesn't have an Amazon account, so she knew immediately that it was a scam. On um, polling cards arriving, Kieran in Carrick Tool says, My sister Caroline uh, got a polling card every year since she was 14 years of age. Somebody put her on the register of electors at 14, and she received a card every single year from when she was 14. And thank you for that, Kieran. And by the way, Mary saying, here's another scam email doing the rounds. This is the one from aircom.net telling people that their aircom, if you want to continue with your aircom.net email service, air is starting to charge 5 per month from the 31st of March. That isn't a scam. That's an actual charge that air are introducing. And if you don't pay the charge, then you're, they give you two months and then your email will simply disappear. You won't be, it'll be permanently removed. So unfortunately, Mary, that's not a scam. That's actually a new charge. Now, a woman has been placed in isolation in Kerry University Hospital over fears that she's contracted the deadly coronavirus while a patient has also been placed in isolation at the Cork University Hospital. Reporting on these stories in today's... It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Irish son is Anne Mooney who joins me. Good afternoon to you, Anne. Good morning, Patricia. You're, you're welcome. Now, uh, firstly, talk to me about the woman in Kerry and what's known about that particular case. Well, the Kerry one was the first one that we heard about, Patricia, and that was um, a woman who had been in contact with people from China and she presented at Kerry University Hospital in Tralee 
with flu-like symptoms, which are quite similar to the um, coronavirus uh, symptoms. So effectively, they tested tested her for flu, I gather, and then they put her into isolation and the tests are ongoing. Um, So we haven't had any results yet. And according to the Department of Health, um, they don't comment on individual cases, so we didn't get any reaction from there. Um, And then this was followed by a second case, um, which uh, came from Cork University Hospital, uh, where a student in his 20s, who's been in China and had returned back to Cork, uh, also presented at uh, that hospital uh, with, uh, again, flu-like symptoms. And um, again, he was placed in isolation. So we have two, but the Department of Health is insisting that there are no coronavirus cases in Ireland. Which is true, because neither have been confirmed, so they can't no, say that. No, they haven't been. Yeah. And uh, sometimes you wonder with the Department of Health when you put in queries, press queries, you know, it's always the same answer. We don't can't uh, comment on individual, individual cases. cases. And, yeah. You know, yeah. um, I wonder what they will do in this case, should that arise. But, but to be honest, I think myself that it is precautionary. Um, however, there have been warnings that Ireland isn't prepared for a coronavirus um, outbreak should it happen um, and uh, there are fears that because there have been cases in England confirmed uh, because of the, the, the proximity of the two islands that uh, there could be a possibility of some cases here in Ireland. And I think the, the in the Cork case the fact that this young student had returned from China so you could see why alarm bells would ring there but the case in Kerry the, that woman had been in contact with somebody who had recently returned. So you could yes. see why alarm bells would ring there as well. Yes, yeah. And uh, I think that they're right to take the precautions. Uh, you have to. Uh, but I also think that, you know, we all need to keep in mind that, uh, you know, people have, a lot more people have died from flu yeah. than they actually have from coronavirus. And the people should be aware of the dangers of flu and go and have the vaccine. You know, yeah, and of course, coronavirus it can take up to two weeks before symptoms show. So they're going; yeah. they will obviously stay in isolation until they're for sure, for sure that symptoms. Yeah, it makes and me wonder, though, Patricia. You know, if somebody is confirmed as a case, then surely they should be contacting people that they are in contact yeah, with, yeah, um, and the whole wider circle of people that they may have come in contact with. And um, I haven't seen anything about how they do that. You know, well, so. someone was making the point when I mentioned that you were coming on that Australia. Uh, who always seem to handle these situations very differently and they are doing it this time. They've just completely locked down the country and that they're not a, anyone coming from China is being quarantined offshore for two weeks before being allowed into Australia. We don't have anything like those restrictions here. No, no, but we've never had restrictions like that here anyway. No, you know, no. so, uh, and we don't so. have direct flights from China. Uh, no, but a lot of people from Ireland do travel to China because it is one of the tourist desti- destinations that people want to visit and do. Um, it's on a lot of people's to-do list. And um, even here in Cork, like we have um, we have a, a twinning arrangement or a business arrangement with Shanghai, the city of Shanghai. So, you know, our, China would be seen as a very important trading partner with Ireland. And so as a result of that, you would have a high level of uh, contact between the two countries and people travelling to and from China, from, um, from, from Ireland. 
And it's so easy now. You hop in a plane from Cork or you plane in Dublin or even far four and head to London and mm-hmm. you get your direct flight there. So it's it's not uh, it's not as if travelling to China is difficult. It isn't. I was in Heathrow last week and I couldn't get over the number of people walking around with the ma- you know the face masks on. You know, it's just you would always see a little bit of that in Heathrow, but I could not believe it. We were nearly standing out because we weren't wearing masks. Yeah, and you know, the one thing that struck me watching that was that uh, they seem to be allowing people through security checks with those masks on. Yeah. So I kind of brought up the question of, um, you know, who are they allowing through without proper checks? Oh God, I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> and then I got on the plane. All right, and we won't think about that one. All right, and listen, I appreciate you stepped out of a court, so I appreciate that. I'll let you step back in again. Okay. Thank you for that. Thanks for and the- thanks for joining us. Bye bye. That is uh, Anne Mooney joining us from the Irish Sun on those two suspected cases of coronavirus one in Cork University Hospital and the other in uh, Kerry. Okay, some of your calls in. Let's stay with scams for a minute. Stephen in Bally Desmond. My neighbour got caught with a guy selling knives door to door. He got caught for €200 just to make people aware there are guys travelling around targeting vulnerable and elderly people selling knives. Wow, they'd want to be really good knives, wouldn't they, to spend, to pay €200? And they're probably, the fact that Stephen says it's a scam, obviously the knives, you could probably go down and get them inside a discount store. They're probably not of good quality. And some of those people that go door to door they're good sales, you know, they've got the good sales pattern. They might be a bit intimidating. They normally target somebody who's living on their own and try to persuade them it's the best bargain buy of the century. So please be careful. And I certainly would never be parting with 200 euro to somebody calling to my door selling knives. Run them from the door. Just do not entertain them. Uh, JT was onto the programme to say, I'm canvassing at the moment and I met one poor woman who received a polling card for her deceased husband, her neighbour and another neighbour all dead. The current register is in place until the 14th of February and I would say to Cork County Council, please fix the register after this date and get it correct. There are a lot of people out there canvassing and they should know they should they should know who should be on the register and who should not be on the register. Well Stephen Teep who kicked off our debate on this this morning, the Survital Check campaigner, because he went public because his wife got the polling card. He was saying he did a bit of research into it and he reckons there's up to a half a million people on the register of electors who shouldn't be on the register of electors. Now we're not saying that there's 500,000 people are dead on the register of electors but there will be a proportion of them deceased there will be a huge proportion of people who've left who who are no longer in the country who've gone overseas for whatever reason to live and to work there will also be what we, we certainly are hearing here today duplication the same person registered twice how many did we get this morning of people registered in their maiden name and then also registered in their married name and a polling card going back to mammy and daddy's house in the maiden name and then they've their their married one coming to their main house we're hearing of other people getting two polling cards. We had Kieran talking about his sister who was 14 when she started receiving her polling cards. So so there does seem to be mistakes on the register of electors. I know 
And I, it's a good number of years ago I had somebody call to my door on behalf of Cork County Council to say they were updating and working on the Register of Electors and somebody called and said just checking are these the names and I think at the time my son had just left had just moved so his name was being removed I think but didn't, we didn't fill in any forms or do anything like that but the guy just came to the door saying are these the names the correct names and, and that was it and, and off they went I mean J, JT is right the new register comes out on the 15th of February because it's the reason that people who registered in the last year since the last one that came out on the, comes out on the 15th of February every year they don't and then we weren't to know that Leo Varadkar was going to call an election for the 8th of February so it's just missing the new register so there are people who will be disappointed who believe they are registered and then when they go they won't be but they will be registered the day after the 15th they'll be on the new register of electors but um, so the new one is coming out but I don't know how much work has been done trying to remove names of people that shouldn't be on it as opposed to adding names of people who want to be on the register of electors because that form that I discovered when I was doing some research when I knew Stephen was coming on to the programme when this kicked off yesterday I'd never heard of that form you can request a form RFA1 from your local authority to remove the name of a deceased from the register of elections. Now I don't know if that's just to remove a deceased person but if you've got a family member who's moved house or you know has married and has moved on or maybe has gone overseas is it up to the individual householder to get on because I, I don't think people do that I really don't think people, people do that and I think as well if somebody has say a son or a daughter who has moved overseas for work it's always the hope and the belief that they'll come back people might leave the name on the register of electors are you meant to do that if somebody has moved out and has gone away and might be going away for a couple of years to live and work abroad are you meant to take them off the register of electors what's the I don't know what the protocol there and what is the rules and regulations and laws around should the person be removed how long out of the country should they be before they actually get removed from the register 1850 and I guarantee you it'll be next Monday because we won't be on air on Saturday but I guarantee you next Monday we'll have calls in from people who thought they were on the register of electors and for some reason and some unknown reason their names will have been removed that's where I leave you for today my thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick's with you for the afternoon we're back to you tomorrow at 10 until I'm Patricia Messenger. Good afternoon. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Call and collect or get seven-day delivery for those cosy nights in. Lowcostfuel.ie Hello, this is Eric Griffin. Join me Monday to Friday between 7 and 8 for some great songs on C103 Anthems. And then... Hello, this is Declan Ernie here. Hello, this is Sean Keane. Hello, this is Cathy Durkin. Hi, this is Louise Morrissey. Hi, this is Mick Flavin. Hello, this is Daniel O'Donnell here, and you're listening to Country and Irish with Eric Griffin on C103. Don't miss Anthems at 7 and the very best of Country and Irish from 8. Right here on C103. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. 
Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.